or at school or wherever the Lord has you, can you say, I'm just going to praise the Lord and I don't care what it looks like to anyone else. I'm going to sit in the lunchroom and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. I'm not going to hide the prayer and be like, because I want people to think I'm just like them. Newsflash, you're not. If you're a Christian, you're not just like them. You're the only person, if you're a Christian, we are the only people that have access to, to God, to his throne room. No one else does. David had it in his heart to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. After an ill-advised attempt that ended in tragedy, he finally seeks out in the scriptures how to go about God's work in God's way. As he obeyed the scriptures and acted on God's will in a manner that reflected God's heart, God's people were able to celebrate and rejoice in God's presence. As David danced before the people in joy, his wife chastised him for being undignified and embarrassing her. In today's message, Pastor Mark will teach us to be careful not to extinguish the fire of passion that others feel for the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6 with today's edition of Come Alive. The Ark of the Covenant was not to be touched, especially by a non-Levite. And so some people might have said, well, who cares about poles and little ringlets? Who cares about carrying this thing? Well, God did. And that's the point. When we begin to care about those things that God cares about, you'll see some amazing things happen. We'll become people after his own heart. And then and only then, you know, do you begin to have real freedom and real happiness. Those little things, a pole and a ringlet, seriously? Serious. He was for real about it. Look at verse 10. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So here David is so afraid, and you better believe that he is, that the last time he tried to move this thing, he lost a guy. And so David decides, I'm going to leave it. And for three months, the ark was kept in the house of Obed-Edom. Now this guy, if I was him, I'd be a little freaked out. Here's this ark sitting in your living room, and you walk over one day, and you're kind of hanging out, and you're watching your chickens, because they didn't have TV or whatever your entertainment was, and you're drinking your iced tea, and you're just like, whoa, I almost put my tea on the Ark of the Covenant. Last guy touched it, oh yeah, that would be bad. Or wake up in the middle of the night because you don't have a bathroom in your house and you got to walk out the front door and you hope and you pray, dear God, please let me not stumble and fall on your Ark. Because that would be a horrible thing to be fried that late or early in the morning. And so here's this thing, but here's what happens. It's, It's not bad. And so... For three months, the ark was kept in the house of Obed-Edom. No ark in Jerusalem, and probably with sleepless nights, David was wondering, what's happening? He's probably thinking, I really want that ark here because here's why. Look at verse 11. It says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. This guy was blessed. Now, it doesn't tell us what kind of blessings he had, 
Maybe his crops grew like crazy. Maybe he had ears of corn as tall as a man. Maybe his, his farm animals were giving birth left and right, some of them to more than one animal. Chickens laying eggs like crazy, one chicken a dozen a day. I don't know, but there's a blessing there. And David's like, hold up. If Obed-Edom's being blessed, then I want to be blessed. I want my country and my people and my nation to be blessed. And so he wants the ark there in Jerusalem. And you might think, wait a minute. Uh, I thought he wasn't going to touch it. I thought he wasn't going to have this thing. Look at verse 12. It says, now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and he brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Hmm. I thought he wasn't going to touch it. Yet he touches it. Well, if you'll turn with me to 1 Chronicles 15, we'll see what goes on and what happens. And we're going to look at verse 1. We're going to skip over some words, but David basically prepares a place for the ark of God, pitched a tent for it. Verse 2, it says, And David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God, for the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to them him forever. Verse 3, And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. And David gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites, of the sons of Kohath, Uriel the chief, with 120 of his brothers, skip down to verse 12, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers, the houses of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, that the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord, our God, broke out against us because we did not seek him according to the rule. Now, go back to 2 Samuel. Somebody could have said, hey, Dave, check this out, bro. I found these scrolls, and here's the deal. Or it could have been God saying, hey, Dave, you know, now that I got you alone and, and you're having some quiet time with me, I want you to hear something very clear. I want you and your people, my people, my children, to have my presence, my glory. But you've got to do it the right way. You've got to do it the way I tell you to do it. And so according to Exodus 25, 12, and 15, and Numbers 4, 15, this is what has to happen. David probably looked it up and was like, wow, amazing. There it is. So David is like, really, that's how it's to be done. Oh, man, just imagine if I'd have had that a, a, a few months ago. Poor Uzzah, I wouldn't have had to go and tell his family that he got zapped. Oh, man, what a bonehead thing I've done. Okay, Lord, we'll do it that way. And because they didn't seek God the first time, they got burned. But the message here is, for you and I, it's our life, basically. The details, the pole, the ringlets, the little things might drive us crazy. You might think, wow, well, do I really have to pray with my family? Do I really have to read my Bible? Do I really have to go to church? Do I really have? God says, yeah, these are important things. Do I really have to go, therefore, and make disciples? Sure, those are important things. Do I really have to serve? Yeah, that's an important thing. Those are important things. Uh, Those are the great things we get to do. And when you do those things, you will find freedom. But when you don't do them and you try to do things your own way and you try to combine them with God's things, then you find frustration and lameness and it's no fun. 
And see, maybe you just don't want to take time to deal with those little things that seem so insignificant that we decide we won't go through the trouble of putting the poles through the ringlets. You know I mean? Like, we're going to do it. We'll go ahead and we'll get the Levites. We'll get the the right family of Kohath. But we're not going to put the poles through the ringlets. We'll just grab the ringlets and we'll carry it. And you know what would happen would be, well, the same thing. And, And the poles had to sit on the shoulders. Very specific details. After all, it's, it's easier and faster to use a cart. Truly, it is. It's more efficient. But you might think that God's not really that concerned about details, but he is. And so if he cared enough to write it, he cared enough to preserve it, then he cares enough to have you and me pull it off precisely his way. Not our way, but his way. And so that's what David did. Look at verse 13. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he had sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. So they take six steps and they sacrifice an animal, a couple animals. This is a long process. I don't know if anybody's ever sacrificed an animal, killed an animal. But there's some certain things it takes a little while to do this. So you got these animals that are traveling with you. Now you got to go to the back. You got to grab one. You're stopped. Everybody's hanging out. You, a couple thousand men with you. You bring one around to the front, cut its throat. You got to build an altar. You got to burn it. Take six paces and you do it again. You take six paces and you do it again. And you might be thinking, dude. Did it take forever to get the Ark of the Covenant to Israel? Not forever, but it took a while. But it was according to God's details. And so to sacrifice an animal, again, required a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And so throughout the scripture, six is the number of man. Therefore, offering sacrifices every six paces says, I am a man who deals with my flesh. I've got to stop every six paces to build an altar, to lay down my dreams, to lay down my objectives, to lay down my life. Are we doing that throughout the day, in our day, saying, Lord, I am a man. I want to lay down my life because you might do it once. There's nothing that says we have to do it every six paces You'd never get anything done in a day if you did it. But there is something that says that we're to be that living sacrifice, meaning that we are constantly on that altar, stopping every six steps. Lord, It's saying, Lord, it's not about what I want to do. It's about what you want me to do, and therefore I will confess my fleshly tendencies every six steps throughout the day. That's a spiritual principle for us. That we will lay down our lives throughout the day for the Lord, for what God wants. It is a stopping throughout the day to be altered, so to speak. If you're a living sacrifice, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are to be altered. And so to be altered means to give up our life. Maybe you need to alter it because of your ministry and your marriage, your family, your soul. And the Lord says, man, I will use you in a mighty way. Look at verse 14. It says, then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. And now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. See, David's a king. 
He, he could have been adorned in royal clothing, looking kingly and stuff, but yet he wasn't. He cared more about how he worshipped than about the material things he had on. And I think that's an important lesson for you and I, is that we care more about how we worship. And that worship doesn't mean singing before the message. Worship means your lifestyle. And what you do for the Lord and how you do it for the Lord, that we should care more about that than we care about how great and big our house is, how awesome our clothes are, how cool the car is, uh, whatever it is, that we care more about the God that is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and how we worship him than we care about anything else is what it's saying. It's not saying that those things are bad. It's like just care more about him and what we do for him and what he does for us and how we see it and how we relay that to people than we care about those other things. See, here David... He was free. He cared more about worshiping God than those material things, and he was free. And when you're free, you obey. You're free. When you disobey in your bondage, thinking that, well, you are free, and all those people in bondage. You know, every time I talk to somebody that's really locked up and in bondage, they're always talking about the freedom that they wish they would have. Oftentimes when I talk to a solid Christian, they're very rarely talking about how they wish they had freedom. They're rejoiceful in those things that they're doing already. They're content. And so David can dance joyfully because he did what God wanted all the way down to the finest little detail. Sacrificing the animals, putting the poles through the ringlets. And then verse 16, we see something. Saul's daughter, David's wife, says she despised in her heart her husband. Let me, let me warn you, when you're really free, when you're really free as a Christian, there are going to be those people who are not so free. They're going to have trouble with you. They're not going to like you. They're going to actually despise you. And so David's wife frowns at his praise and his freedom. She frowns at him worshiping God. Look at verse 17. And so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. So notice what David does first. He blesses the Lord first. I'll say it again. He blesses the Lord first. And then we should just follow his example. We should bless the Lord first. Always bless the Lord first. Offer the sacrifice of praise. Be a worshiper. And then you can go and bless those that are around you. If you do those things, if you're blessing the Lord first, giving the Lord your first fruits, doing those things, in your family, your family will tend to be blessed because you're doing the right thing. The people around you will be blessed because they know you and the right things being taken care of in your life. It's only after you spend time blessing the Lord that you can be a true blessing to others. How do we bless him? By spending time with him. He loves hanging out with us. I mean, think about it. He loves it so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross. That's a huge price to pay to hang out with you and I. Look at verse 19. It says, And then he distributed among all the people, among all the multitude of Israel, both women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone to his house. And so here we see bread and, and the raisins, and some versions, yours might say wine, and are, are, are symbols of communion. 
He tells us in Hebrews 5, we're told that the meat is the substance of the word. And when we're altered every six steps, when we keep ourselves on that altar, when we worship God with simplicity and sincerity, and when we are waiting on him totally and completely, there is, well, there is going to be that communion, and there is going to be that substance for everyone that you're around. The Lord will provide. Verse 20 says, Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of the servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And so here, he was greeted by sarcasm, a a nagging wife. Sometimes you might be greeted by sarcasm from those who don't understand or maybe those who think you have to address, look, act a certain way to be a Christian, but yet you have this freedom. And so yet he doesn't allow her to win the day. He doesn't allow that to bum him out. He doesn't allow her to put a damper on his day. Look at verse 21. It says, and so David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. He gets his little dig in. (laughs) He's like, hey, look, your dad wasn't chosen. It was me, and I was just blessing the Lord and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and it will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. So David reminds her that he was chosen over her dad. And it was God that he owed his allegiance to and no one else. And he was going to praise God regardless of the sarcasm or how he appeared in the eyes of anyone else. Can you say that in the workplace or at school or wherever the Lord has you? Can you say, I'm just going to praise the Lord and I don't care what it looks like to anyone else. I'm going to sit in the lunchroom and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. I'm not going to hide the prayer and be like, because I want people to think I'm just like them. Newsflash, you're not. If you're a Christian, you're not just like them. You're the only person, if you're a Christian, we are the only people that have access to to God, to his throne room. No one else does. We were talking about those little uh, bumper stickers on cars that say coexist. I always want to pull that guy over or that person and say, hey, man, do you know what that says? Do you know what that means? All those different religious symbols. I mean, yeah, it'd be great to coexist with everyone, but it just isn't happening. And so what, what, what do you look like at work? Do you care? Do you care? Uh, what I said to the leadership, you know, if, if you work in a place where they say you cannot preach the gospel or you can't talk about Jesus, then I say that's awesome. Because if you do the study and you check it out, where the Christians are the most dedicated are the places where there's the most persecution of Christians. They're the most dedicated believers willing to sit for three or four hours in a Bible study, willing to have one page of the Bible and share it with people everywhere, willing to walk four or five hours to go to a Bible study. Those are dedicated people. Those are dedicated people. Uh, Those are people where God's really moving in some of these third world countries where you see thousands of people flocking and getting saved. And here in America, you don't see that. Not anymore. Is the kabod gone? 
Is it gone? Because remember in the beginning I said, in the Old Testament, where, where was God's glory? Well, it was on the Ark of the Covenant, in the temple. And now New Testament, it's in the believer. Do you believe that God's glory is in you, that it's there? Regardless of how you appear in front of anyone else, are you going to let that shine through in your workplace or at school? Verse 23 says, Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. It's kind of a weird way to end a chapter. But here's the deal. It seems that Michael was bothered and even displeased with passionate worship. You know anybody that's like that? Oh, man, you Christians dancing around, believing in something you can't see. See, she would not bear children. She would not bear fruit. And so it is with the church or the ministry or the family or the Christian that doesn't praise God. They will bear no fruit. See, the better you know your stand with God, the freer you can be. When you search his word and you inquire of him, you will be set free. When you want to know his precepts and his principles, you will discover true joy. And you may be misunderstood in many different ways, but you won't worry about the public opinion as much as you seek to please and exalt God, especially if it comes, that persecution comes from a family member. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be simple and sincere. And it needs to be for the Lord and to the Lord. So maybe you're at the threshing floor of your life. Maybe, maybe you've hit a bump in a relationship in your job and you think, you know what, I can straighten things out. I'll just put my hands on it. Be careful. Be careful. It may be a great march that you organize, but it most likely will end in disaster if you think, if you think you can do it on your own. Don't do it on your own. See, humility is what we all need, and it comes when we realize God and his word is greater and can sustain us through anything. Don't put your hands on those things that, well, that can cause you to get burned. Uh, wait. Search his word. Find another believer that maybe you, maybe you don't know the word that much. Maybe you can go to another Christian and get counsel and say, hey, man, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And somebody can say, hey, uh, let me show you where it says to put the poles through the ringlets, bro. Let me show you where it says to offer yourself as a living sacrifice as unto the Lord. Let me show you where it says to praise him. It's okay if you don't know. Everybody's a beginner at something at some point in their life. That's how you grow to be mature and wise. When you see someone doing something, you say, hey, you know, I don't know. And wisdom says, well, go ask that person. Maybe they can show you. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. 
If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.